Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for new sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, December the 2nd. I have a new desk. I, I don't, it, everything seems weird. Uh, Virginia's uh, basketball team looked really good and then didn't, and now maybe looks okay. Um, Virginia's football team didn't get to play, so we don't know what they, they look like right now. Um, so we will we will get into literally all of that. Uh, we will talk about um, the football team's you know late cancellation against Florida State. We'll talk about the Bronco rule. We'll talk about the matchup with Boston College on Saturday, and then we'll um, transfer over to basketball and talk about the week that it has been um, <laughs> following the Cavaliers. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in uh, Fishersville. David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going well, Brad. Unlike Florida State, I am here and ready to compete. Wow. Uh, <laughs> who days on the board at who days on Twitter? And up in uh, Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is back on the program. How's it going, my friend? I'm good. I don't really know how to follow that up. Um, just going to have to get on the plane and go home, I guess. At Justin <laughs> underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. I want to give a quick shout-out to Fontaine, who, who uh, I guess the Spotify or whatever does like this you know, rap for the year, and apparently he listened to a lot of episodes of the show and, uh, and put it out there on the, on the tweet machine. So I appreciate uh, the support, and uh, I hope, as I said in my tweet, I hope a lot of that was just you listening to Forward Dave. Okay, um, so let's start with, uh, with the aforementioned cancellations. So... Virginia waits for its results to come in, gets on a plane after that, goes to Tallahassee, and then Saturday morning, um, Florida State pulls the plug. Um, Seminoles apparently had at least I, I don't I don't know if I've ever saw a number other than there was a positive test. Now I don't know maybe there was more than one, but as I as far as I understand it, it was one. And um, through contact tracing and such, that rendered the Seminoles um, unable to play. Um, now we're going to get into at some point in this discussion, the thing that has been just sitting, <sighs> sitting right, like right there on my frontal cortex for like days now, the idea that like you can cancel a game because you got like a bunch of dudes hurt or they quit or whatever, not just, Oh, this is what your team is like because of COVID. Um, but we will, we will no doubt get into that. Um, Dave, I like to start with you and I'm not sure why, but I'm going to do it again today or tonight. Um, in the pantheon of things you expected Saturday morning, um, well, actually this is good. What did you expect less that Virginia would lose to San Francisco on Friday or that the game would get canceled on Saturday morning? Definitely San Francisco. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. but but I thought even after the reason I asked the question is because I thought even after Florida State, Clemson and the whole kerfuffle, you know, I thought for sure they'd want to play. Now, that's not to say I'm not trying to Herb Street this thing. I'm not trying to say that that Florida State definitely ducked UVA or had you know any reason to. But I think it's fair to say that there have been teams in the ACC who have played with their rosters significantly impacted the season. And I know folks who, who listen to this show don't like, you know, they don't like when I to say anything nice about Virginia Tech. But I feel like there are a couple of games in there that Tech could absolutely have said, you know what, we're not playing, right? Um, but I feel like this was a situation where um, there's a lot, I guess it's safe to say there's a lot of play. 
what was what was your reaction Saturday morning? Share share your reaction. I mean, I know your reaction. Share that your reaction Mine, with the good people. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, we kind of we knew something was going on Friday with UVA and not leaving on time. Um, but when they finally left, I was like, okay, well, they've got enough guys to go. They were pretty good. And I, I believe it was the last podcast. Yeah, maybe it was two podcasts ago when we talked about the Florida State-Clemson thing. And if anything, the way Florida State, where that thing kind of went down, I can't remember if it was Justin or you, said, you know, this probably makes it more likely our game happens because they want to save face and, <laughs> and play. So, yeah, my reaction was, well, my day just – that's pretty much all I got on the calendar these days, you know, <laughs> it's you know, work, come home, occasionally get to watch sports and all of a sudden that's gone. So, um, I mean, I, I was confused because everything Florida state led you to believe going into the, you know, the Clemson kerfuffle was, it was, they were fine. They just didn't want to play against, you know, a team that had potentially been around a, a positive, you know, a positive teammate. Um, and then coming out of it, you know, as Saturday went on and we started hearing them say they had like 44 guys available after injury opt-outs and COVID. Um, like I, I didn't really, just like you said, like, I mean, and there's some kind of agreement, you know, yeah, it, it's such a tough thing because you're talking about quote unquote amateur athletes and, and their, their protection. Um, so there almost has to be kind of a, you know, a gentlemanly agreement that you're not going to opt out because, because your COVID hit puts you in a tough place, but it's not like Florida State lost 40 guys because of COVID. Let's say, worst case, they lost 10 or 15. Um, that still means there were only around 60 guys, which is a roster issue, you know, unrelated, you know, to the pandemic. Um, but what are you going to do? Like, you know, there's no teeth. As soon as the medical personnel at Florida State said, you know, we're not comfortable playing this game, um, you know, recommended not playing it. And you know how that relationship usually works with you know, not making any accusation, just saying, I mean, it'd be weird for a medical director to say you shouldn't play because you only have 44 guys that, you know, the medical director decision should be, you shouldn't play because, you know, the COVID exposure. So, um, you know, it's weird. It is what it is. There's, there's nothing Virginia can do, um, except board their planes. Yeah. Yeah. There are two planes <laughs> that they had chartered and, and come back home. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just sucks. I mean, obviously it's 2020 and Virginia has seen it a few times now, but being that close and getting the, the football pulled back from you, yeah, you can't help but feel like Charlie Brown. <laughs> um, just once in my life, I would like to be in a situation where somebody says, hey, you can't, there's nothing they can do. You, nothing he can do. Just get up, get back on his plane um, because, you know, that would be fun. I, I, do, I do appreciate, though, that Bronco Hall very quickly – on Monday into his press conference was like, I have no interest in going back to Florida state. Um, and I thought his one, you kind of have to know Bronco a little bit to know how angry he was, or maybe angry is not the right word. Agitated. Um, you, it was very clear to me whether his, whether his angst was, was aimed, you know, at the league versus specifically Florida state. He still, he still echoed, I think, what a lot of Virginia fans wanted to say, which is like, this is not right. And in short order, the ACC agreed with him uh, in something that I dubbed on Twitter the Bronco rule, um, which is essentially like, hey, if a team is going to go on the road, they should know that the other team's tests are in and good before they get on a plane. 
I think everybody how that slipped. I mean, listen, they, the the leagues were trying to do their best to figure out this and that, and I think to to what Dave said just a minute ago, there I think there was always like a gentleman's agreement sort of thing. The idea that like in the idea of like, um, you know, competition and sportsmanship and stuff that folks would play. But I think we've learned that you need to have the stuff written out. Um, if there's anything 2020 has taught us, is that you need to have a plan. Um, and so I, I think Bronco did a really good job on Monday of really laying out what he disagreed with. And, and it seems like the ACC heard those concerns um, and, you know, in short order made some changes. Ferber, as you look at um, the aftermath of this cancellation, how do you think it impacts UVA? What, what, do, you, what do you feel like it means because for me as i wrote um somewhere i don't know where i don't know what thread that was in but the idea like they didn't even really get a bye week right like they just um you know they they got a they had a prep they didn't have the game now they get to do more prep that's twice now that their bye weeks or their off weeks were not bye weeks how do you think this impacts uva and what do you feel like is there anything different about this team coming out of that game other than they just don't have that game on the record yeah, I think the the biggest thing is that you don't have the game on the record because it was probably a game even before all of the issues that Florida State had, you know, late. It, it, it certainly seemed like a game that UVA was probably going to win or were certainly favored to win. Um, and then add to that all the other guys that were going to be out if they really did have, you know, 40-something guys left. I mean, UVA would have had a great chance to win that game. Um so that kind of hurts your ability to have a winning season. I'm not saying they can't. They still have two winnable games left. But, um, you know, it, 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 it definitely doesn't help. It, it's not like they dodged Clemson, you know, or something like that. So I think that's the biggest, you know, on paper impact. I think it's got to be frustrating for the team um, to, you know, go through everything they went through, go down there, and then have to come back. But... I mean, what are you going to do? This is the third time this year, like you said, that um, this has happened. So I think at this point, they're probably somewhat used to it, unfortunately. Um, and the good news is, I mean, UVA doesn't have another game on their schedule where they're going to have to make a trip somewhere um, and then have it canceled. Um, they go to Blacksburg, but obviously that's just a few hours down the road. Um, so that wouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, and then maybe, I guess, a bowl game if they go to one. But yeah, I mean, I think that they can overcome you know, the stupidness of the rules around traveling and, and the fact that they had to go down there. Um, you wish that they would have had a week to sort of, you know, maybe take it a little easier with, with less guys and guys hurt, but they did, you know, have to put in a game plan for Florida state, which means that they probably had to put the guys that are going to be next man up for guys like Charles Snowden and, and whoever else, um, you know, th those guys probably got a lot of work last week. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I think that, yeah, they didn't have to play a game, which means they didn't have any injuries or anything like that. So I'm not trying to say it's a positive, but I don't think that they're in a terrible spot or anything like that because of it. I kind of feel like in the, you know, the big scheme of things, um, what I think this kind of harkens back to, um, kind of harkens back to the whole, like, why do you play this year thing? Right. Um, you know, you wanted to get the games in, but if you weren't going to win a conference championship, did it matter how many games and such and such and such? And Bronco said this in the spring, you know, the thing about um, how many games was, was, was enough for, it, you know, to make it quote unquote worth it. Um, they're past that. He said eight, I think was his, was what he was quoted as saying. So like if they play the games 
that they are supposed to play at this point. They they'll get ten. Um, you know, does it matter they don't play Florida State? No, but man, it would have been it would have been nice to um to you know, one. You only get so many chances at football, right? And these kids have put themselves in um I, I you know, football in general's harm's way, but you know what I mean? Like they've put themselves out there and they've lived an isolated, lonely life for these, you know, these few months. Um, and I think that's the, that's the thing that coming out of this and when it gets time for, you know, guys to make decisions on whether to come back or whether or not, or maybe they transfer and use that year somewhere else or whatever. Like, I think that's the thing that none of us on the outside are ever going to understand is like how, like what it was, what it took for them to really go through all the protocols. And Bronco was talking on the, uh, on his call Monday about, you know, that BC and UVA have essentially, I mean, UVA's had a, a handful of positives, but that's that, that realistically, like they're the teams in the ACC who have handled it kind of the best. And when games have been impacted, it hasn't been either one of them. Um, and that's a testament to, you know, the kids and how they've handled it. We don't know what that's like. We can guess. I mean, you know, I've certainly heard. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Um, so, I mean, to me, the, the, the worst part of this is that you're asking the kids to essentially go through all this and then they don't even get to play. Like that just seems messed up. Like I was talking to, uh, a former player the other day and I made the point, like the, you know, everybody understands football is not safe, right? On, on some level, it's a, it, you know, if you think about it, anybody who plays understands the risk that on any play, something crazy could happen to you. Uh, I think fans try not to think about that. Certainly those of us in media, we cover it, but we try not to focus on it. Um, this thing is, 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 is relatable to that, right? Like guys understand that if they go out there, they could put themselves at harm's risk in terms of the virus. They could put themselves at harm's risk, you know, going to the store. Um, but I think that one of the reasons that they do everything they do is so they can play the game and not playing the game. Um, I think is a, you know, I think I forget whether it was an eye or how today on their call, you know, just like there's just a lot of disappointment that comes with that. Um, that being said, hey, it, it's an opportunity for guys to have gone through, practiced um, and then, you know, didn't have to worry about any like physical repercussions. Right. You're not adding anybody to injury because of that game. Now, maybe guys get hurt in practice, whatever, whatever. Um, so as they move forward and we can get into Boston College here in a second, um, there was a lot of conversation about maybe Virginia playing somebody else on the 19th, especially once the ACC announced the new schedule um, tweaks and that essentially that Virginia's chance to make up that game was, as Bronco said, dead in the water. Um, I don't think at this point there's any reason to suspect that UVA would add anybody on the 19th. Um, but I am curious to get your guys' opinions on if you would like for them to. Um, Dave, let's go back to you. Would you like to see UVA add a team, even if even if right now it seems like a very, 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 very foregone conclusion that they're not going to do that? Um, would you like to have seen it happen? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to from a you know personal standpoint. I mean, I want to watch more football, um, but you know, in the same ways, you know, a lot of you're talking about Broncos kind of anger in that press conference. I think a lot of that's driven by the fact that he's demanded so much of his team in order to you know, keep them safe, keep them well, and give them the best chance to, to play football every week. And meanwhile, you've got, you know, not think you can kind of get it in his tones from that press conference. Other people aren't, you know. Um, 
you know, Bronco talks about reaching out to other people to kind of see how they're doing things. And I haven't heard him once say, Hey, so-and-so called us to see what we're doing because, you know, we're doing well, or, you know, he praised Boston college and he should, cause they've done a good job with it. But, um, all that said, you know, it's not up to me if they play the 19th. These kids have been through a lot and you start, you know, I, I don't know that the team will vote to play in a bowl game. Um, not because they don't want to, but because it's so, you know, it, it, you know, what's the best chance of your bowl game happening? 50-50? So do you want to subject yourself to two, three more weeks of of this isolation when the other your opponent might not? Um, so for that, you know, because that bowl game might not happen, if Virginia could get a game on the 19th and the players are up for it, I'm for it. If the players are ready to end the season with Virginia Tech and call it a year, you know, I'll support him. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I haven't been locked down for <laughs> for the time they have, um, and it's frustrating too. You know, it, these coaches are making crazy money. Um, and we obviously Norvell down there. You know, he's new. We talked about that leading into the season. Like, you know, what happens if you don't have your culture established? But you know, Boston College kind of is the antithesis of what I thought we'd see. I mean, that's a new program that I believe has only had. Have they had a positive case? Um, Boston College? I don't think no, so. they haven't had any. Not yeah. a single one. Which is insane. Not during the season, right? yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's people doing it right and people doing it wrong. And unlike other years where that always goes on, there's people doing things by the rules and people not. This year, like, you know, the the guys doing it well are, get, are the ones getting hurt. Um, you know, so, yeah. I mean, long story short, yes, I'd like to add a game to the 19th, but it's ultimately not up to me. Um selfishly i do and I, mean, I hope the players do because to me if you could add a game the 19th and everyone's on board with it that's more of a sure thing than playing some random team two or three weeks down the road and having that canceled the day before um and look there's a lot of players on this team that have to make decisions about what they're going to do after this year um staff decisions and, and player decisions and look i'm sure nationwide you're going to see more transfers than we've ever seen and Look, you might see some from Virginia. Like, you know, it's not easy to do what they do in a normal year. They did it this year harder than anyone. And I don't think you, you could make it an indictment of the program. So, you know, we'll see what, what all comes of this. But um, I'm just hope, excited and hopeful that Saturday happens and we can get some positivity, you know, <laughs> and the team can get some positive reinforcement for all the work they've done. Because, um, look, you know, we, we talk about this year, like Virginia's like just kind of sailed through, but you know, they've had some issues. They've they had Davis out for a couple games. They've had, you know, obviously they've lost Snowden. They have Briggs transfer. You know, there's rumors. There's two more starters potentially not available for this game. We'll see if that's true or not when, when they take the field, but not once have I, you know, <laughs> heard them say, yeah, hey, we're not playing. So, um, Yeah. Don't know where I'm going with that last thought, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him the 19th. I just don't know who the who the opponent is, yeah. unless Miami doesn't want to play Georgia Tech, yeah. um, or unless Virginia wants to play another opponent again. But you know, it's such a weird year. Like this is Boston College's last year; they've yet to have a game rescheduled. Yeah, yeah. It, in their last game of the year, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, when you said their last year, I was like, oh snap, are they giving up football? Yeah, they're, about, done. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're done. They're done. They're going. They're, yeah, they're they're they're. I'm out. <laughs> they're they're leaving. Um, Costanza. Right. What, Ferber, what about you? Do you do you want to see UVA? Would you like to see UVA fill fill somebody on the nineteenth? Um, 
I, I think Dave's first point about just selfishly wanting to see more football would make me say yes. But honestly, like, I don't really see the point to doing that. Um, unless, unless they, unless they really want to go to a bowl game and they're, they lose out and they're four and five or whatever, you know, their record isn't what they want it to be. And they think maybe winning another game could get them into a bowl game or something. Um, I just don't really see what you have to gain from that. Like they're not going to the ACC championship game. If you want to play in a bowl game, that's a little different. That's a bowl game. So like if they want to opt into that, like Dave said there, that's not necessarily a guarantee. Then, then cool, like that's great. Um, and then obviously they'll have to assume the risk of it getting canceled. But um, yeah, I don't really see the point of playing like Georgia Tech on the 19th unless they just really want to play another game for some reason. Um, I th- if they get these last two games in, they will have played 10. You know, that's you have to remember. Like I was thinking about this the other day. You know, before the season in the summer when we were talking a lot about whether or not this was possible at all to have football, right? Um, we said that the best case scenario would look like this. It would be, hey, and obviously barring like a vaccine breakthrough, um, there's going to be a lot of games played and there's going to be some that get canceled, some that get canceled at the last minute. You know, there's this frustration that we're having now. This was all stuff that we talked about happening. This is exactly how we thought it would play out. Um, Now, the ACC rule about them flying down to a place without knowing whether they're going to play the game or not is dumb. And that's something that we thought about the first time that, uh, when UVA went to Clemson on that Friday, we were like, well, do they have the results yet? Because it seems weird. Um, but, you know, like, I, I think, honestly, at this point, it's like Dave said, it's whatever the players want to do. But if they play 10 games and they get through the season and, mm-hmm. you know, we know a lot more about what this team looks like going forward now, then, I mean, I will have considered this a legit season, a real season that, you know, we, you know, obviously it was very, very different than every other year. But, um I don't feel like at 10 games it's an incomplete season, really. I mean, you've played, you will have played more ACC games this year than you do in a normal year um, if you get to 10. And and you'll have gotten your rivalry game in and, you know, you beat North Carolina again. So, I mean, obviously in this season for UVA, I mean, we can talk about this when, when they are done playing, but, you know, if they end up five and five or six and four, especially, I think that you can look back and say, like, man, considering the schedule they had and losing Armstrong for a couple of games and, you know, all the injuries and then some key opt outs and just the chaos of the season, you know, overall, I mean, they didn't really hurt the trajectory of the program. And um, and that's a good thing. But, yeah, I mean, and, and the team came out relatively healthy from a covid standpoint. Um I think, you know, it's a, it's a season. If, if they want to play a bowl game, great. If they want to play another ACC game on the 19th, great. I don't really see the point of that. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, at this point, though, it's if, if they're cool with it being over, then then that makes sense to me. And if they want to keep going, great. Yeah, this, this question I ask in part because I have been going back and forth on it myself. Um, so I write in the in the my prediction was that they wouldn't add anybody, and I still feel that way. I I think absent of what uh, Miami loses to Carolina, therefore they don't have to play that game or something, and then that game gets canceled with Georgia Tech and maybe whatever. But even that would would just be like, how would that even work, right? Like, yeah, and they're not gonna. It doesn't seem like they're gonna go out and like you know play some random non conference game. Um. It's interesting the way that you just framed that forever because that's kind of the way I've been thinking about it too. Like what we ended up getting was almost exactly what we thought would be our like best case scenario, which is that 
Yeah, they're able we were to... talking about them getting five games and then having to quit. Yep. You know. Yeah. Like, um, they, and and we can we can discuss later whether or not it was a good idea to play and all that fun stuff. I think it's fa- it's fairly clear to me that um, you know, the players will you know, Bronco said as much on Monday, but I always thought that the players would sort of decide whether or not they play in the postseason and. If Virginia is able to get an invite somewhere, you, you sort of wait and see what the invite is, and then I think you go from there. Like, wh- wh- where do you have to travel to? Who are you playing? When are you playing? That kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, this season has been essentially what we what we kind of thought would be, like, the best-case scenario, which is, like, you, you you would have a lot of uncertainty, but that you'd, you know, kind of trudge through it. And it's crazy to me to think about the fact that there's only two football games left. Um, in part because it still feels like the season is still getting going. Nothing feels like that's my thing is that like nothing feels um, settled. Nothing, you know what I'm saying? It's like they're because, you know, when they drop down in the stadium from 1,000 to 250, that doesn't sound like that big a difference. I mean, it's obviously orders of magnitude different, but like I can't even tell you how different it is. Um, yeah, and just. In terms of the football, because of the injuries and everything, like it, it does feel like th- this thing it got off the ground. But think about the think just think about the season, right? So it was originally going to be VMI, and then it wasn't. Then it was supposed to be Tech, and then that thing got canceled um, for a few hours. There, Virginia wasn't going to open its season until like October. Then they 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 get the game against Duke. Um, they schedule Abilene Christian, um, and even then, it just all seemed like there's just no way this is all going to work out. So for them to have gotten through to this point with these two games, seemingly, um, I guess we can, for, for at least for right now, say they're likely to be played. Um, if the kids want to play another one, whether that's the 19th or the bowl game or whatever, that's great. And I, I fully support whatever they decide. Personally, I don't, I don't consider this season like illegitimate or anything like that, right? Um, everything about 2020 football was no promises, right? Um, there were there were literally no promises to any of this, and the fact that you know we're as close as we are to you know actually talking about who should be in a college football playoff is kind of nuts. Um, and for Virginia's purposes, yeah. you know you can look at it and you can say, okay, you came off of an Orange Bowl season, you had to replace this and this and this, and um, you know where where are you at coming out of it? Well, today's point earlier, until you get through the transition phase. Um, because yeah, there are going to be an historic number of transfers. Um, because you've given everybody a free year. Um, you, you've essentially opened and and rightfully so. I mean, everybody should have gotten a free year, right? But you've, you've opened up the possibility for people to look at their situation differently. And as we've already seen, and I'm sure we will see more of like different guys are just like, Hey, this is not what I want to do. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys giving up the game guys who could have come back who won't guys who maybe do come back who you might not think would guys who will transfer that you couldn't imagine would. Um, I don't know until, until you get through it, you're not sure what the roster will look like. I don't know what, uh, what spring football looks like. Um, I don't know how you do it um, without the vaccine sort of being, you know, really out there and judging by what appears to be the game plan for, who gets it when? It's going to be a while until relatively young, healthy people get it. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I I just I don't know what it all means for 
the future of the program and sort of like development and stuff. But I know from this season that I feel good about Brendan Armstrong. I feel like I've gotten to see a lot of him. Um, you know, there are lots of pieces um, at various spots. You're really excited about Lavelle Davis. Um, obviously, you're hopeful that, you know, the injuries and everything they've suffered, you know, they can fight through it for a couple more games. But, I mean, like I said, no promises meant no promises, man. Um, that's where they started the yeah. season, and that's kind of I mean, where they are. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, if if we get to 10 games and – if the, the 10 games we played were to have been scheduled like this coming into the season, I don't think it would, I would have had as much, you know, what, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here, but the, the season wouldn't have been felt like such a letdown. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's probably too strong. You know what I'm saying? Like having the cancellations and moving around, like you're talking about that just made see me that just made getting to 10 games feel a lot more stressful than it would have been if it just played out as scheduled. Um, so, like, adding that extra game for me would be, like, trying to get some fulfillment that honestly isn't coming. Like, when I'm when the games are on, I enjoy them. But it's not, like, what it used to be. Like, it's not, like, normal, right? And we can talk about it as we get to basketball, too. Like, you know, even in college sports, man, like, we've always joked in the last few years about why aren't people coming to games and, it, you know, you can sit at home and watch 12 games. If anything... I'm guessing we see an attendance bump when we're able to get back in games um, at yeah. least for a couple years. Because I realized to me, like, it's nice to sit home on, like, that weekend you don't have a home game and watch a bunch of games. But that gets old after a couple days. Like, um, and also, so I, I like, cannot wait to get back. And also, you don't get to really watch. It's not like it used to be because normally you have, like, four or five really good games where it's like, all right, I'm going to sink my teeth into, like, Ohio State, Penn State after UVA plays at noon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now that game's canceled. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, and also the the balance of power this year has been really all over the, like a lot of good programs are bad. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's like, and so many games get canceled that especially like, you know, I was really disappointed to see the game Saturday get canceled for no other reason than it was like, okay, this will be like a nice thing in my week to watch this game, <laughs> you know, see what happened. And, and, you wait, you plan your Saturday around like this late kickoff that they had. And then it's like, all right, now this game's canceled. And there's like one other good game on or one game that I'm interested in. And the rest of the games are just, you know, it's like fighting to find something worth watching. Um, and yeah, I think it's not just UVA. I think it's the entire sport is off this yeah. year. It just is. I mean, like, yeah, Clemson and Alabama are good as expected, but um it just doesn't feel the same. Notre Dame's in the that, ACC. You don't need anything. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's off. And I, I think, I think, I think we all understand that it's like a kind of not the real thing or like thrown together differently than normal. So I think it feels that way. Um, and you see these games getting like scheduled at the last minute, and like games getting, like I said, wiped off the schedule. And Ohio State's played four games. You know, it's like the Pac-12. It feels like they just started playing. You know. Um, it just the whole thing feels weird. It just doesn't. Herb feel Street's the same. out there criticizing Michigan, of being yeah. quitters, and yeah, it's a weird year. But I, yeah, I think if there's one positive, other than I think you'll get fans back in the stadiums, and it'll, you know, it'll help maybe offset a little bit of the loss from this year. Um, the other positive is like you mentioned the scheduling. Like, I mean, I think you're going to see a little more fluidity in scheduling. Um, in the future, yeah, um, they've proven now that they can do it. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the excuse. It's the same thing with my day job, the mysterious day job. Like, you can't tell us we can't work from home anymore. Like, it's not a 
an excuse. You can't be like, well, we got to schedule these games 10 years in advance because that's the only way. We... No, you don't. You don't yeah. have to do that. I just like, set a weekend. Get a conference to agree with you. Like, we're going to play each other had, this weekend. Colorado was supposed to play USC on Saturday, and their game got canceled on Wednesday, I believe. And they scheduled San Diego State and played them. Yeah. Like, I mean, right now, if there's a chance BYU could literally take all of Liberty's um, reservations and just go play that team that they were supposed to play. That's nuts. Yeah, Coastal Carolina. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the idea that you could be like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's not Liberty anymore. It's us. Those are our, those are our hotel rooms. Thank you. Yeah. And obviously, we're not going to expect that to be the norm, you know, in the future. But, like, you can't tell me that they can't say, okay, you know, we talked about it in the offseason, but, like, if you want to create some balance and some more intrigue in the ACC, when you have one division that's definitely, you know, it's competitive, but, you know, there's no Clemson at the top of it. You know, you it's time to start thinking about, like, scheduling the league games closer to the season where, hey, you maybe Clemson won the Atlantic. Next year they have to play the team that won the Coastal, um, like the NFL yeah. does it or something. And make, maybe make things a little bit more interesting and mix things up, maybe get rid of divisions. Um well, you know, I, not a to not to cut you off, but you're now venturing into off-season podcast topic yeah. territory. So we're right. I'm gonna shut you down <laughs> Which now. We need any day now, um, yeah, right? <laughs> um, but I do want to state real clearly for the record that Ferber has a plan. Remember the Spence plan, which would have you know mitigated a lot of um, a lot of the issues that the ACC had this year. The Spence plan would have actually mitigated a lot of that. Um, but Ferber has an idea for for re um, for basically reallocating sort of the focus of scheduling, um, which we will get to down the road. Um, but Yeah, when some basketball game gets canceled because they didn't bubble. Yep, that's um, right. Yeah, we'll, We can talk about we'll it. We'll dive into it. Now, Boston College is on the schedule. Boston College has not had a positive. Uh, I'm sure this will be <laughs> – given UVA's luck this year in terms of, like, these things, um, I mean, I know some teams – like, poor Georgia Tech, man. Wow. But, um, man, I feel like UVA did kind of get jerked around a lot this season. Um, but so at this point, Boston college at least has not had a, a positive test. Um, what do we think about this matchup? Cause I personally, I am sold on Boston college and I'm not sure where you guys are, but anytime a team can take, can basically sort of, I don't want to say morph itself because a lot of what I feel like they're good at. And Nick Howell talked about this today. Like, like, a lot of their success offensively still comes from the fact that they run the ball well. They're just leveraging it differently rather than like wanting to run it down your throat. They're basically making you, they're daring you to stop their run because if you can't, their play action game is going to eat you alive anyway. You know what I mean? Um, Dave, let's go back to you. As you look at Boston College, are you sold on them first? And, and then explain your work. Like, are you sold on them and then why? <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to be. Yeah, I am sold on. They played a really, you know, the games they've lost have been to really good teams, and they've been close games. They play clean football, you know, nothing razzle dazzle. They, you know, um, play action games really strong. Their run games, you know, good enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to be sold on any team this year, but I mean, they're. They're as close to any team. Like I'm, I'm a little more worried about Boston College than I was in North Carolina. Interesting, because um, I mean, because I think North Carolina is a team Virginia is going to get up for. Boston College, like I, actually, I think maybe losing next last week's game helps us a little bit. You know, get a little more rare, you know, <laughs> riled up to play BC. Like the last time I saw left me in 
<laughs> left me deep in my bourbon by the end of the, that game. Um, yeah, I mean, I like them. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sold. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull up their schedule, but I don't want to knock Skype off. But um, I mean, I believe they only lost to Clemson by like what ten or it was a small amount. Um, they were up in that game in the yeah. uh, in the first half, but that was Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing. Yeah, that was the first yeah, one true. of the ones he missed, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like them. I, they're going to be a tough match, and um, you know, with, with everyone healthy there, they're going to be good to go. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just, you know, the, the my hesitation is like, can Virginia stop them? Um, you know, given given the injuries in the in the front seven, um, and, you know, and who's available Saturday? Like, it, it's going to. I think Virginia's got to score to beat them, um, and, and they're a team that doesn't make mistakes. So Virginia's going to have to create some chaos, you know, if they, if they can't cover, if they can't stop the run, they got to get to the quarterback for some turnovers. Um, and they're going to be play a clean game on their end. Um, I, I don't want before, before I kick this over to Ferber, I don't want to cause like whatever, but I do think it's, I, I think it's at this point, Virginia's going to have at least two starters and I'm pretty sure, um, it's going to be two at least. Um, they're going to have guys not available this in this game and that does change uh, my calculus on this one um simply because like you are already at the bone right like there's just not a lot like meat to cut um so i don't want to spend too far too long on it but i think that the question of whether or not virginia can stop boston college's uh run and play action game is significant in this game and i think this is if if virginia is able to do that then this has this it probably uh, more likely than not, will have been the coaching job of the year for the Cavaliers because I do think Virginia's defense is going to be in some dire straits. Um, all right, Dave, I'm going to kick it back to you, and then we'll go to Ferber because I, I just realized we're, th- we're 40 minutes in. We haven't talked f- uh, basketball yet. In the preseason, you had um, – let's see. You had uh, – I think you had UVA win this thing 31-17. I'm guessing that you probably don't think this is a 14-point game now. Uh, no, I don't. Um yeah, I, I still like Virginia to win, just because otherwise, what do I have? Um, <laughs> it's uh, so. I mean, I think it's if Virginia's going to win this game, it's going to have to be a, a little, you know, a high-scoring game. So I, I'll bump Virginia up to thirty-four, but I'm going to give Boston College thirty-one. Um, I think it's going to be it's going to it's going to take a, a turnover or a big field goal or something to pull this one off. All right, Ferber, I'm going to ask you the same question. Ask Dave. Um, are you, you when you look at this team? How sold are you on the are are you on them, and how do you see this thing playing out? Definitely sold just by the you know fact that they were supposed to be really bad and they you know have been good. I mean, they're not maybe the best team in the league, but they have. I think their coaching staff has proven a level of competence that um, exceeds what is probably fair to expect of a coaching staff in their first year. And and that is shown in the results. I mean, I remember watching that first game they played against Duke and we were like, man, Duke is really bad because Boston college is supposed to be terrible. <laughs> um, and can Boston college handled them. But now looking at that result, it makes perfect sense. Um, they have played a lot of close games. The Louisville game last week was close. Um, they beat Syracuse by three. Um, they also, as, as Dave mentioned, were in that Clemson game till the end. They almost beat North Carolina. They beat Pitt. Um, so, I mean, I think they're a competitive team. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, 
I also like UVA to win a close one because I think the offense is in a position now where they're going to be able to move the ball. Um, and, and I think some of the stuff that UVA does with formations and, and moving people around, I think that sort of stuff can, can work to UVA's advantage against the team in the first year of a new scheme. Um, so I'm going to go with UVA in a close one. I'm going to say 31-27 uh, in a game that is pretty high scoring, especially in the second half. And I think UVA just makes a couple more plays and pulls it out at home. Senior day in a pandemic is going to be super strange as if, you know, as everything else has been. Um, I wish there were more seniors that I think are going to play in this game. Um, I think the fact that you're not going to have Richard Burney, you're not going to have Charles Snowden um, is, is just, it's hard. It's hard for me to process. Um, I don't think Brent Nelson's coming back. Uh, maybe Joey Blunt does, but I, I don't know, man. I kind of, I kind of doubt that too. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of dudes who put in a lot of work from that, from that class. Um, the fact that, you know, the first time I saw, uh, Joey and Mandy Alonzo in Virginia, well, I guess, did they have actual Virginia insignia on those warmups when they were ran out? Anyway, they were late and, uh, Micah Geisner and Quinn Blanding sent them back to the locker room. Um, so I don't think they ever actually put on the helmet the first time they stepped out there. So the idea that like the last home game, they you know the two of them might not be able to play. That's 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 tough for me. Um, but I'm a sentimental type. Um, Boston College I think is going to run the ball very well, and so this is going to come down to a shootout. And what I find sort of fascinating, go back to something Dave said like months ago, right? The idea of like the teams who had coaching changes were going to be in a tough spot because, you know, if your culture wasn't ready to withstand this, it, it was going to buckle. And we've seen that. Like, think about what's going on at Florida State, right? Um, Boston College is like the one, you know, that continues to fly close to the sun, right? Like, they are, they are the one place where there was a coaching change where the culture has been just right as rain. Um, so I think Virginia's going to have to outscore them. I actually kind of like the matchup in some ways for Virginia's offense. Um, but the fact that, you know, the fact that, that, that their defense, I just don't know how they get stops. So I, I think shootout is the only way it happens. I think I'm going to take Virginia as well. In the preseason, I had it 34 uh, to 17 um, right there with Dave. So I'm going to, I'm going to make it 34 to 33. Um, I think it's, I think it's super tight and um, I'm going to give just a little bit of an edge to the home team. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens on uh, on Saturday. Speaking of seeing what happens, um, talking about no promises. Um, so Virginia opens the season uh, looking mighty good uh, against Towson, um, running some five out stuff. Offense is you know poised to you know make the national media types eat their words, and everybody's on cloud nine. And then the ship just completely ran aground uh, on Friday. Um, that San Francisco team lost to UMass Lowell, right? Uh, and then turns around and beats UVA. Um, and then the Cavaliers come back last night, or late yesterday afternoon if you want to be serious, I guess, and beats um, St. Francis um, like a drum. I'm I'm not other than other than knowing that they have a whole lot of dudes. I don't know what I'm ta- what what takeaways I have right now. Um, Ferber, let's go to you. What what do you even feel confident about right now? Other than Virginia's going to play a, play a pack line defense, like what do you feel confident about with this team? Because I feel like 
that these three games have just completely taken all of my expectations and ideas and just like like puzzle pieces like you dump out of the box and you just move them all around like that's feel like that's what just has happened other than like i said there just seems like there's a bunch of dudes what are what are your what are your thoughts on on sort of these three games and and what to take away from them yeah i mean i think that you kind of hit on it with a bunch of dudes thing i'm confident in their depth which is important i mean it might be a little confusing at the beginning of the season and maybe not fit into what we expected from a, you know who plays what minutes and all that stuff. Um, I, I think that that's normal. I think that that sort of stuff we talked about it before. You know, I think it was before the Towson game, but you know that rotation normally takes pretty much the whole non-conference season sometimes to to iron itself out. So I, I think that's going to be a work in progress. Um, what I'm confident in, I'm I'm still confident in Hauser. He's he's clearly a very gifted offensive player. Um, you know, he hasn't necessarily been able to recapture what he did in that first game, but I'm, I'm very confident that he's going to be fine. Jay Huff looks really good. Um, I think that he looks like a player that is taking a leap from a role player to sort of a super role player to a starter and now to a guy that could be, you know, an all ACC player. Um, so I'm really confident in what he can do. Um, and I, I think Reese Beekman, I, I think that he clearly has the, um, confidence of the coaches, you know, he got the start on Tuesday night and, you know, I think that's, that says a lot. And, and that's something that, you know, <laughs> we talked about it in our text thread after that first game. And I was like, at some point, you know, he might end up being like getting starters minutes. Um, if he's not starting just because, you know, you got to play the players that give you the best chance to win. And obviously I'm not saying Kihei Clark isn't that guy. Um, he's certainly going to play a lot, but you know, they're going to play together a lot, and I think Reese is going to just play a lot of minutes, and, and th- that's something that they've been telling us since before the season, that, that he was a guy that they really believed in and is going to make an impact. And I think in the game on Tuesday, we saw some flashes from some guys, you know, in the depth area where, you know, we okay, some ability that, that maybe didn't show up in that game against San Francisco, um, and, and obviously it's just St. Francis, but it's good to see those guys kind of get back on track and have a good first half before – they kind of coasted in the second half, but um, you know the, the San Francisco result is not obviously what we thought was going to happen, and not a good result. Um, at the end of the season, you hope that that's one of your worst losses, and you you pick up the pieces and you move on. I mean, these sort of things happen to a lot of good teams early in seasons, and you know it doesn't stop them from making deep runs in the tournament or, or having a good year. So um, you just want to see them kind of consistently don't go through those stretches like we saw in the San Francisco game where they're just not able to score and shoot a really low percentage um, because that's the stuff we saw last year that really held this team back when their defense was playing really well. What about you, Dave? How do you feel? What are your takeaways thus far? I mean, I mean, I think number one, despite what you saw against San Francisco, like the, this team's got more offensive firepower than last year's by a significant margin. Um, figuring out how to blend that talent together um, on a night-by-night basis and, you know, which offensive scheme gives them the best chance to be consistently productive. We'll take time. Um, we, we moved to the blocker mover pretty quick after after San Francisco. Um, but, you know, kind of the, the worry I had going into the season, like where's, you know, who's the defensive stopper when you need it? Like, you, know, you you didn't have that one possession in in the San Francisco game so much. Um, you know, I guess you kind of did, but um, you know the way San Francisco was playing, everyone was hitting. 
so it wasn't one guy you needed to to stop. But I did watch that game thinking, you know, watching Jay or Sam or or Trey try to kind of be inside and recover to a three point shooter made me miss Mamadi a lot because he probably would have blocked one or two of those threes just reacting. Um, and that's really all they needed to win that game. Um, so the defense is going to be, you know, a work in progress. And obviously having watched a few games now with no crowd, like there is just no juice in that app, you know, in, <laughs> in that environment. Um, and you think about like how Jay Huff feeds off the crowd, you know, so you're going to have players who are dealing with it. But if you think about the way Virginia plays, like shutting up a, an opposing fan base by playing stifling D is one thing, but getting your own fan base excited, watching you play, not having that, it's going to be tough to, like, you have to bring your own juice, you know, that, that can be tough. Like, cause it is just awkward, man. It's just, like, I, I can almost deal with football, not having fans more than basketball, uh, college basketball. Um, but the team as a whole, like, you know, yeah, I'm starting, it's a little early to make any conclusions. Um, I mean, Sam Hauser is very diff, you know, very gifted offensively. Um, <laughs> I share some thoughts in the text, but I'm going to wait till I see a couple more games this year and publicly. But, you know, I, I think we might see some different lineups than we've seen before to kind of maximize. If you've got a roster full of talent, everyone's going to have their strengths and weaknesses. I think we could better match um, some players to to provide you a little bit, you know, better consistency on both ends of the floor. But, yeah, all in all, like the San Francisco game upset me because I, I don't like losing. Um, but, you know, well, San Francisco hit 13 threes and, you know, and Virginia had a wide open shot to win that game. If Sam Howard makes that three, do I feel any differently? Uh, no, I mean, honestly, given what San Francisco is doing and how little juice Virginia had at points during that game, I was impressed they got a shot to even have a chance to win that game at the end because they were down, what, seven or eight with a minute and something to go. So, right. The fight's there. They they're just gonna have to, you know. It's it's a weird situation, and you don't have, and maybe you guys can tell me differently what you've seen. But to me, it looks like the the loud, fiery one of the group is McCoy. Um, I haven't seen Jay as pumped up as you see him when when he's got a crowd there. Kihei's kind of struggling, so um, it, it feels like the team just needs a couple guys to kind of kind of motivate him. Um, I do think having watched the bench against San Francisco and against uh, Stephen F. Austin, I, I did see more of a effort to to bring the you know, to bring the fourth side, I guess if you want to call it that, in basketball too. Um, in the last game that we did, when we were up in in Bubbleville. So, look, I like the pieces. Yeah, I think we've got some very talented players. Once they figure it all out, they'll be fine. It's just it's going to be a different year. It's going Shocker. to be it's going to be a different, it's going to be a different year. year. Um, so I, one, I want to start with your point about the the environment. I, I tweeted this this morning, but like it definitely has like a you're you're at the alt court at seven a.m. for the sixteen under game at the AAU tournament, which for the record is not very well attended unless there's like a Bronny James playing. Okay, like it the squeaks and everything on the court sound. I mean, they're just exponential. Um, it was very. It was even weirder watching Duke last night, um, you know, because energy and stuff is such a big part of college basketball in a way that, frankly, it is in college football. But you can, because there's so much space right between the field of play and the stands, you know, and the noise. I mean, you can just do a whole lot more in a football game because the, there's so much stopping and starting. Right, um, play ends, 
PA kicks up, plays some song. Guy, you know, it's third down. Like, you can do a whole lot in a football game that you kind of just can't do. What I found super weird, beyond all the stuff that I've said so far is weird, is, like, the PA guy, every time he would say, like, a big shot, it just sounded – and this is no shot at PA guys, for the record. But in an empty building, when a guy hits a three, you know, and you're like, Sam Howler, like, it just sounds weird, man. It doesn't – like, it sounds fake. It sounds um, kind of outlandish in a way, right? And I think Dave's point about, like, bringing your own juice, I mean, like, you're really going to have to do that this year because – um, you're gonna it's it's gonna it's it's AU man, and I mean for a lot of these kids they remember what that was like. For these guys, it's you know it's not like it was when you know the NBA was was in Orlando, right? Like these guys have been. It wasn't that long since they were in some of these games where it was early morning. You know you didn't want to play. Let's be real. You played the night before. You probably had the four o'clock game the night before, and you got done. You went back to the hotel, and so now you're. It's early. You don't want to be out there. Like that's the way your body's gonna feel in a lot of these games because there's just no juice in the building. Um, I think the pieces are very good. I, I think Virginia's capacity for offense and its potential, they'll they probably won't scratch it honestly because it's gonna take a long time for these dudes to really get into any sort of groove. Now we had not previously discussed platooning. Um, I'm not entirely sure frankly that it's the right way to do it it would get you it would keep guys fresh and it would certainly allow guys to to mesh together um but when it comes to a big game are you really going to be like hey let's play the bees you know like or whatever name they're going to have right like i think you're going to want to try to play your best five and i think ultimately what virginia would like to do is to do that um to dave's point earlier about you know they had a shot to win it so yes they're down by seven with two minutes and 11 seconds to go they close on a 6-0 run over the last minute and 40. Um, if Virginia had hit that shot, would you feel differently? I think in some ways, if they hit that shot, there's, there is a collective sigh of relief, but there's certainly not like what Caden Shedrick talked about, like these last four days. And, you know, guys, I think it was the perfect thing in, in, in kind of as a bookend to what they did to Towson because – and I, I fully admit, I, I, I fell straight headfirst into this trap, which was like, man, that first game I was like, dude, they are going to be so crazy good offensively for once the offense is, is going to be reliable and consistent. And then it wasn't, right? Um, yeah, but realistically, it was the lack of being able to get stops down the stretch that really hurt them. Now, granted, they closed that game. San Francisco goes two minutes and 11 seconds without a field goal, excuse me, without a point. Um, and yet, if you look at sort of the play-by-play of it all, like, man, they, they, they not only, it wasn't just that they hit 13 threes, it was where they hit them, right? Um, I, I thought they did a really nice job, San Francisco did, of, of stretching UVA out, of making a pay on the hedge. Um, and I think the blueprint was there uh, for how to beat the, a lot of the five out if you're not going to shoot it well, right? So Virginia goes um, three of 12 um, from the field. Um, excuse me, not from the field. They went they went um, from three. They went three of 12 from um, from three. That team needs to shoot more than 12 three-pointers, if, if we're being honest, right? And there's a lot to like about that roster, but until it kind of comes together, man, it's, you know, it's kind of um, to be determined. Um, now, that being said, I thought Caden Shedrick, well, one, you know, Reese Beekman is everything we thought he would be, 
Um, and I think Ferber's point the other day uh, about you know how long is it going to be until he's playing starter minutes? I, I mean, I didn't expect it to be this fast, but it makes sense. And that's not a knock on anybody. I think you just when you have a really talented player and you've got this many talented players, you can't you can't have you know you can't have a guy who committed you know three or four turnovers the game before go in front of you know what I'm saying like Kihei was one of five from the floor against San Francisco um, even in the Towson game um, where UVA was you know kind of scoring at will um, he only had seven points um, you know I, I feel like Beekman even if he's not lighting up you got to at least give him the chance and he's been solid and I think Shedrick's the same way that's not a knock on Huff I don't think he you know you're going to start Shedrick and, and, and move Huff to the bench. But I do think that it's good for UVA to have a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything. In a way, if we're being real, we're like Huff is good at being able to to do certain things defensively, right? He's a good rim protector. He can he can hedge. You know, he's not the best at getting down the lane after the hedge. Um, Shedrick, I think, is a, is a little bit better. The fact that Shedrick is, it looks as good as he does right this minute, considering he lost 25 pounds like a month ago, is bananas to me. So for me, I think Shedrick is, is the one takeaway that's like, there's a lot to build around with that kid because he's kind of like the prototypical, what I think Tony would like to have in a five from now on, right? The idea of them going after traditional sort of bigs. I mean, he's, he's traditional in some senses because he can score inside, but you know, he's, he's not that. And I think that's, he's what they want going forward. Um, so what do you think? Do how much how much of the five out stuff do we see, Ferber? Let's go back to you. Do you want to see him keep going with platooning? Do you want to see him continue to play a lot more blocker mover? We you know go back to sides more often. Would you like to see him get back and tinker more with the five out stuff? What do you what what's your um, if you had your druthers? What would you what would you have him do right now? Yeah, I mean, I think this is sort of tinkering time, right? So, I mean. That that's why we talked about it during the game the other day, and I think it was you, Brad, that was like, you know, how much more of it do you think we'll see this year? And and I was like, we'll see more of it because they're going to be up again against teams in this non-conference schedule that they're going to have the game in hand and try it, or they might try it early in a game. Um, I think that's what the non-conference portion of the season is really for, and, and Tony's been a big believer in, you know, you play the non-conference season and then you start your second season, you know, in ACC play, then you start your third season in the postseason. So I think they're going to take this first season and kind of try to figure out a way to make the most of it and, you know, try out different things. We've seen this in the past, you know, with introducing uh, new offensive concepts, whether, you know, it's, you know, ball screen movement, wh- whatever it is, um, you know, continuing. Con- yeah, sorry, I'm all over the place. Um continuing ball screen stuff you know like i think that's when um this is the time to do that sort of stuff and i think that we're definitely going to see more of it as far as platooning um i I think that it can work to a point i think there's a reason that you don't see a lot of basketball teams do it and like what happens if you know in your first group they get so used to playing with each other and somebody gets in foul trouble or gets hurt or something you know, like, are they going to have trouble adjusting to a new player in that group? Is that player that comes into that group going to be able to adjust to playing with four different guys? It just, you don't want to segment the team off too much. I mean, I think it can work in spots. I think it's a good way to approach the non-conference portion of the season, you know, when the results aren't as much in doubt in a lot of these games. Um, you know, you can try to see what different lineups look like and, and figure it out. So, um I think that in the San Francisco game, what you saw a little bit was um, not that Tony was experimenting necessarily, but 
I think they almost had too much depth where it was just a lot of guys playing. Um, and and you kind of saw maybe like, hey, you know, maybe this rotation needs to shrink a little bit, which is usually what happens when ACC play rolls around. So I think we're going to continue to see different things between now and, and January. Um, maybe not so much against Michigan State and Villanova because I'm assuming they're going to try to put their best foot forward and do what they think gives them the best chance in those games. But, you know, on Friday, if, if they can – handle Kent State um you know and in some of these other games they have coming up I think I think we'll we'll have plenty of opportunities to see them experiment before they really find their identity and sort of round into form heading into January like like they normally would Dave on a scale of one to ten ten yeah. ten being it's just full-on panic right and one being um yeah um, where are you in terms of this team and potential? I mean, obviously the first the opener left a lot of folks myself. I'll put myself in the group thinking that this is one of the best, you know, three, four teams in the country. And I thought with Trey Murphy, and I still do think actually with Trey Murphy, that if, if a championship is, is able to be decided, I think Virginia should be seen as the favorite for it. And I'm not, I'm not going to back away from that just because they, they had a clunker uh, against um, San Francisco. Um, but in terms of of your of your level of concern, right from from one to ten, where are you on that scale? And tell me yeah. why. Um, two. I mean, um, now, is that just a function of it just early, or is that or do you have just still that? I much think faith? it's a function of I know who our coach is. Yeah. <laughs> I saw what he did with the team last year. That Tom's struggled to score a bucket, and now he's got more offensive weapons. Um, Okay, you know, it, it's, Virginia's a program now, and, and they've got talented guys, and it, it's just they've got a lot of them. So it's a matter of figuring out how to put the pieces together. We've we've talked about it several times before. Like the pack line defense is like an offensive line in football. You've got to have five guys that can read each other and, and play it well, um, and that's where it starts, right? Like you know, you asked about five out. Well, I'm sure we'll see more five out, but I almost promise you, like the block remover is our base offense until the defense gets better. Um, like the beatings will continue until morale improves, right? Like that—that's how it's going to be. Um, and even the, even the last game, like you know, the first half they played great, but the second half they got outscored. Um, that's fine. I mean, I know it's hard to keep your energy up against you know, you know a team, and once that team gets down, they start shooting riskier shots and they make some. Um, but I mean, I, I, Tony's going to build everything off the defense, and to me, the best five-out offensive lineup probably is one of your worst defensive lineups. Um, and that five-out set, like, you know, it reduces your chance at offensive rebounds. Um, you know, I think it was Hoop Vision had the good thing. Like, you know, it takes away some of Jay Huff's strengths. Um, so there's some pluses and minuses. I think the right personnel, it works, and in, in situations it will. But as far as where the team is, like, I mean, you've got to think back to – but the 2013, 14, 14, 15 teams, that's probably the last time Tony had this much depth. Um, so, And he knew those guys better. Like, you, you get a guy like Murphy and Hauser. You know, Murphy's only been there, you know, a few months. Hauser they knew from last year, but they hadn't been a part of the team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my panic level is very low. I've watched other teams play. There isn't a team out there who scares me. Every team I've watched has issues, like Kentucky, who I think will be really good, you know, that was some horribly ugly basketball they were playing against Kansas last night um, for a good chunk of that game. Michigan State and Duke, like, 
I mean, do either one of those teams scare me? No. They are both capable of beating UVA, but um, I would take a – what I think Virginia's potential is, I'd take that team over either one of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just way too early to panic. Yeah, I think Gonzaga is the best team. Yeah, um, I was going to say Gonzaga. I mean, I, I think – I think anybody that is still doing the not believing in Gonzaga thing is is just not following the sport. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's hard to win a national championship. UVA fans saw that firsthand. Like, and Gonzaga made it to one a few years ago. So, I mean, they're not a joke. Like, they have a really talented team, and they have a potential one-and-done player. Hopefully he didn't hurt himself too badly tonight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think they're the best team. I think UVA is right there. I mean, if you're talking about, like, looking for a team, Team that you were worried about like that's the team and you wouldn't have to see them until you know the end of the NCAA <laughs> tournament probably so um yeah. and I'm not saying obviously there's good teams in the ACC um you know I think Virginia Tech looked pretty good um when they played Villanova the other night I, I think you know other ACC teams I've seen have been fine Duke looked good for a little while last night against Michigan State and then kind of got run out of the gym for a while and North Carolina has been okay um but yeah I still think UVA should be the favorite to win the league and definitely one of the top teams for the national title. The San Francisco game isn't going to – if all goes according to plan, that game will be forgotten. I mean, do you guys remember UVA lost to George Washington in 2016? Like uh, the yes, second actually, game of the season? I do remember Yeah, that. but like nobody nobody thought about that when they were in the Elite Eight. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's not like George Washington was good. You know, they just – they lost that game. It happens, right? So – you get off the deck and move on. But the reason it became a big deal is because UVA was number four. Um, you know, and people are like, whoa, you know, like the panic is starting to set in. But then, you know, Villanova lost to Virginia Tech. Like stuff happens, you know, it, it's OK. You just get up and you move on. They're going to have another big test, obviously, next week. So we'll learn a lot more about the team, you know, when they get to play the best team that they've played so far. Um, oh, man, how do I how do I put this into words? Um you know, for one, like the idea that the idea that Virginia has so much talent and they need to figure it out. And to Dave's point just a few minutes ago, the idea that like Tony doesn't really know how these pieces fit together. Um, that's one of those things that should make Virginia fans feel some semblance of comfort. Right. Because ultimately, you you know, this works. You You know that. If if Tony Bennett can 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 get them to to sort of be able to put UMBC and everything you know of that whole off season and then actually go out there and do what they did, there's no doubt in my mind that this is the most talented team offensively that Virginia's had. The the the, the same time though, this is also from a defensive standpoint probably one of Tony's more frustrating teams because these guys are just not going to be able to do what that group did last year, right? That group last year was able to basically go out and win games in spite of the fact that their offense was pretty awful, right? They won with their defense, and they played. They had to do it. Like They did it at an absurd level, and they had to. This team, I don't think – you're not going to see many games where they win it with their defense, right? They're going to win it because they, they scored more points. And it's up to Tony and his folks to figure out like how to make sure that that happens more often than not. And that might sound somewhat, um, you know, somewhat simplistic – because you have so much talent and like, hey, just go shoot some shots. But like realistically, you know, the other people are on scholarship too, as Anthony Poindexter like to say. Um, 
you know, you, the, the, the dudes that you're going to play, you still have a massive target on your back. That was the thing about the San Francisco game that really stood out to me. It's like, if you watch anything of them in their first game and watch them against UVA, it was a completely different animal. And I'm not entirely sure that they didn't lose that first game because they were only focused on what they what they got to do in the second one. And I understand that that game was not scheduled, you know, but so far in advance, but still, right? They played, th- that was their third game in three days, right? Like, I mean, I just, I, I think if you're a Virginia fan and you look at this roster and you know, you know what Tony does, I think you got to feel good about it. Obviously, there's a whole lot of uncertainty and you're not sure how many games you're going to get to get in and such and such and such. But like once these pieces sort of fit and they can start playing, they can start playing the pack line in something that looks more like what you're used to seeing. You know, the idea that they that the, it has they have to move as a phalanx, and right now you can see it, right? Like dudes are a little bit discombobulated and stuff. That takes some time, and I'm not, I'm certainly not going to do the whole like, um, oh, the coach knows better than you. You know that thing. I, I think that thing is tired, but I do think it's you know. You shouldn't lose sight of the fact that the coach you're talking about and the program you're talking about is what this is. Um, my concern with this team is who, other if, if Beatman's going to be the guy, that's great. But who is the dude who takes somebody off the bounce and goes and gets you a bucket, right? Sam Hauser, um, Trey Murphy, they can get their shot, right? And I don't mean that they can get a shot. I'm talking about a guy who could take somebody off the dribble and get to the rack. The only dude as of yet that I've seen do that consistently is Kihei Clark. And the problem that you have is that he's, you know, physically he's he's overmatched. And so when he takes it to the rim, he, he his shots are not necessarily going to be efficient, right? He's going to shoot a lot of them fading away from the basket. A lot of them, you know, are going to get blocked. You know, he's not, he's not going to be able to finish with, with any kind of consistent measure. And I feel like in this day and age, probably more so than ever, you need a dude who can go get you a bucket. Who can and not just like get you a shot. And I want to be very clear here. There are a lot of guys on this team who can get a shot. I'm talking about a guy who can get you a bucket. That is the thing that DeAndre Hunter brought this team that Ty Jerome really kind of gave him too, right? Being able to get in the lane and get 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 to the get to the rack. Now maybe maybe Ty's not laying it up or dunking it, right? But those little floaters, they were essentially layups to him, right? I would love it if somebody on this team could go into the lane consistently because that makes this team ex- extremely tough to defend. And I'll be honest, I thought Abdul Rahim would be that guy. I thought he was somebody who could go and get his. And clearly he's outside the rotation right now. Um, maybe the light goes on for him, maybe it doesn't. But in terms of this squad, that's my one worry. It's not even the defense. It's that in this game against San Francisco, you know, like I said, they were down seven with 2-11 to go. Virginia comes back and realistically just needed, you know, got what it wanted late, right? And just needed a, and they had to they had to settle for a jumper. Do you need a dude who can go to the rim? And that's I think a thing that if you look around at the best teams in America, the really good ones, the ones who are in that conversation with UVA, those teams have a guy who can do that or two. And right now I don't I don't know if Virginia does. And I think that's the challenge for them is to figure out how to how to kind of get past that weakness if that makes any sense. Um Anything else? I mean, we're obviously they play a game on Friday. Um, um, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys really want to, you know, do twenty five minutes on. Um, I expect them to win on Kent State, but I, I expect UVA to win. Um, which you know we'll have previews and such for you as as always. But I, I don't know. I, I I think 
you know, going into next week, at least as scheduled, right? Um, Virginia is supposed to play on Friday against Kent State. They don't play again until next Wednesday in the ACC Big Ten Challenge against Michigan State at 9.15 for some unknown reason. <sighs> That's so late. Um, and then, obviously... Um, I think it's following a 7 o'clock game, so... Yeah, 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 obviously. But I don't want... I mean, can't somebody else have the 9.15 game? That's all I'm saying. Um, the way hey, the 9-15 game is the game they give you when they expect big ratings. So no, I, I know. I, I'm not complaining. No, no, I'm not complaining. I'm not I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying I don't want to have a game at 9-15, selfishly. Like, that's late. I'm just saying. Y'all, you know. Yeah, that's true. Y'all are – I'm not a night owl, man. I just want to have that game, period. Right. <laughs> so, so the William Mary game is yeah, off. Brad, stop complaining. Right. The William Mary game um, is off on Saturday. We don't know yet whether UVA will replace – uh, the tribe with anybody, um, but then you've got. Or they could just move that game back. I mean, that's true. William and Mary will be out of their quarantine in two days after that, and and they are a couple hours down the road. That's true. So Virginia's not. I wouldn't be surprised if that not, game gets not played. supposed to play after after the if they if they were to skip the William and Mary game, they wouldn't play again until the following Wednesday. So theoretically, they could play, you know, Monday or Tuesday, um, and then as of yet, anyway, that game with Villanova still in MSG on the, on the 19th. So there's a lot of, it's, it's weird. It's like there are games that count early in the season, you know, like goes back to our whole conversation about scheduling, which we're not having tonight. Um, you know, in the, in football, like, you know, you can do it. And this is, it's fun. It's like, Oh, you're going to get, you're going to get like conference games that matter. Um, instead of like, you know, no, no disrespect to St. Francis, but what do I, what did I learn yesterday? You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, but they play Wake in two weeks, right? Yeah, the I mean 16th. their ACC schedule is right yeah. around the corner. Yeah, they get so. Wake on the sixteenth. They get they go to they go to D, uh, to MSG on the on the nineteenth, and then they come back home. Uh, I guess um, then they have a bunch of days off for right? Christmas and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and then their next game is not until the thirtieth against Notre Dame. If I've got the schedule right in my calendar app, yeah. So. Um, but yes, plenty to discuss uh, after what should be an eventful few days in UVA athletics. Um, I think that's a good place to to put a pin in it. We're an hour and fifteen minutes in, so if we have anything else to say, we better hurry up. Uh, if you're if you are someone who found the podcast, Fontaine, Sorry, who's Fontaine. the only Fontaine's the only one listening. <laughs> He's the only one still listening. Um, no, I don't know, man. Like I feel, I feel like we're one of those shows. Considering as many people as got on me about like wanting to have outro music, I bet you you know a lot of people listen. Uh, although this is probably the place where they turn it off. If you found somebody, if you're somebody who found the web podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, uh, any other name of application has podcast. Um, we better be there. Um, if you are so inclined, give us a rating review on whatever app that might be. Um, always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who found the pod but has not given us a look yet, check us out. Website is CavsCorner.com. I don't know if you're aware of that. CavsCorner.com. Um, See right now, um, I thought Hal and, and I were good today, uh, talking about BC and talking about you know senior day and not playing Florida State. Um, did a feature this morning on Caden Shedrick, um, who is for the record a fan of the media timeouts. He thinks the media timeouts are amazing. Um, we had the three two one uh, up on uh, UVA's matchup with Boston College, um, obviously with the game week presser and everything. And then um, if you want to read the weekend wrap, you certainly can. There's a big portion of it that was clearly proven wrong by uva's uh, n- next games but you know hey still click on it. it's great all right i think that's a that's all i got 
Um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show, especially you, Fontaine, who that dude never had had no idea that when he tweeted that at me yesterday, he was going to get multiple shout outs in the same podcast. Um, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.